Good morning, Gateway Church. I hope this message finds you well, mentally, physically, and spiritually. A few important items before we begin. Um, whether you have the need or would like to give, the Wisdom Lane's Middle School Pantry, Food Pantry, 120 Center Lane, Levittown, New York. Their hours are Tuesday, 10 a.m. to 12 noon, Thursdays, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. There's no appointment necessary. Just show up at the time and either drop off or pick up. Um, there is uh, online a, um, a list of requested items. Also, Gateway Church would like to thank all um, for their uh, giving and, and offerings uh, as we've been um, in lockdown mode. And just a reminder that we can continue to give online at www.gatewayli.org or use our um, financial institution's bill pay or send a gift in the mail to Gateway Church, 50 Walcott Road, Levittown, New York, 11756. And let's remember, it's what you sow that multiplies, not what you keep in the barn. And lastly, if you're planning on taking communion uh, at home this morning with Pastor Paul and Kathy, uh, you might want to stop this uh, video and make sure you have your grape juice and matzo ready uh, for the end of the service. And remember, if it's just a walk to the kitchen, you don't need a mask or gloves. A byproduct of this lockdown, and I'll speak for myself and probably for many, is um, the abundance of spare time, of time where we have nothing to do, um, and also quiet. Personally, um, I'm uncomfortable with quiet um, and nothing to do. I find myself looking to fill my time um, with uh, things that should have been done. I need a sense of accomplishment that I could look back at the end of the day and say I was productive. I also need to always have background music in the background. You could ask my family that, um, you know, quiet, um, quiet and nothing to do kind of drives me like maybe others, um, drives me a little nuts. But let's look at scripture. Isaiah thirty fifteen. For thus, the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, in repentance and rest, you will be saved in quietness and trust is your strength. If we look at Psalm 4610, NIV, be still and know I am God. The NLV version, be quiet and know I am God. And the NSB version, cease striving and know that I am God. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's up to each and every one of us during this time, this unique time, to seek him and understand what lessons he's trying to teach us. I think what I've learned of the many lessons, one lesson is when we get back to normal, I can't blame the noise of the world and the busyness of the world as I find myself trying to fill the time I have now and that he's given me and all of us the time I didn't have before. I don't necessarily fill it more in his word or in prayer. That's obviously something I need to work on. Yes, these are unique and uncertain times, but God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us his son, Jesus Christ, and that's all we need. 
So now's the time to stay close, listen, strengthen our relationship with him, about ourselves, learn about ourselves, and learn about him. I know I need to. Hello, Gateway Church. My name is Corral. How are you all doing? Um, I miss seeing every one of you. I miss the fellowship. Um, I hope and pray that you're all safe and healthy, although this time feels like we're in total isolation. But my family is taking something positive from it, like we have more time together, we have more time to bond, we have been playing a lot of board games with Kayla and the highlight is probably that um, we started reading the three of us together um, the Bible um, since Kayla already knows how to read so our the, our goal is for us to finish um, the Bible from Genesis to Revelation um, Please continue to pray for healing, comfort, and protection. I work as a nurse in dialysis and many of our patients are still affected. Um, it has been emotionally and physically draining. You know, many things are still uncertain right now. Um, others may feel fear, um, anxious, scared. Um, some might be grieving for a loss of a loved one. Um, my prayer is that you may draw strength from the people you love and may we all be reminded of God's sovereignty during this trying time. Um, if there is one thing or two that I learned from this pandemic is that the most important thing really is our relationship with God and our family. Um, none of these worldly things matters right now. Um, what matters is our family um, what matters is the love of God for us. And the most beautiful thing about God's love is the resurrecting power He accomplished through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that means that God is the giver of life, which, which in turn means... Um, everlasting and abundant life is truly through his son Jesus Christ and that's where hope lies and I think that's something that we we all we all been clinging to at this time um, I will end this with a verse that really encouraged me and gave me hope during this pandemic which is in psalm 91 and i will say of the lord he's my refuge and my fortress my god 
In him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers, and under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the distraction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Only with thine eyes shalt thou behold and see the reward of the wicked. But because thou hast made the Lord, which is my refuge, even the Most High, my habitation, there shall be no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. They shall bear thee up in their hands, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Thou shalt tread upon the lion and adder, the young lion and the dragon, thou shalt trample under feet. Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore will I deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. Um, so I hope um, to see you all very soon and um, looking we are looking forward to um, fellowship with everybody again. Good morning Gateway Church. It's a privilege to hear from Corel who's one of our healthcare workers. I hope that as you think about her testimony, uh, you'll remember to pray for her and others that are going into work each day, um, facing the uh, front line of the COVID virus that's upon us. Uh, we've been now weeks and um, soon to be months into the pandemic that has surrounded us. It's having an incredible impact on us. Uh, and with each passing day, um, we realize that um, we need something to help us make it through. And I want to share with you uh, a, what, what I call um, one of the great principles of Scripture that is shouted out from the pages of the Scripture, but it's told uh, by um, the writer of First Kings in chapter 17 through 19. And it is... Uh, one of the most profound and encouraging stories of all of the Bible. And uh, there's no way that I can do justice to the whole story, but in our study this morning, I want to take a look at just four things that come from this story. And they all point to this one principle, and that is, is that God uses the ordinary to do the extraordinary. Um, to give you an idea of how this theme plays out in Scripture, we find it even in the beginning of the book of Genesis. God does this magnificent creation. And then he takes something that we consider very common, something very mundane, and he does something magnificent with it. It says that God made man from the dust of the earth. He then took that, formed it into man, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. Uh, we don't think of dirt and dust as being um, anything of much of consequence. We know how to grow crops in it. We know how to move it around to make way for the things that we build and the things that we do. But God took the dust of the earth and he made mankind. And we know that he does this with people too. Um, God came to Gideon. Gideon said to him, Lord, I, 
I'm not the best choice for this. And God says, I'll use you. God came to Moses and he says, I'm not the best choice for this. And God said, I will use you. And even in the story of Jesus, um, he could have been the son of one of the rulers of the day. He could have been the son of someone wealthy, but he was the son of a carpenter and his wife. And then when he died and he accomplished the uh, redemption of mankind, it was on the cruelest and ugliest form of Roman torture, a cross, something that was not esteemed, something that was not sought after, something that was torturous, and Jesus used it for good. So God uses extraordinary things, or ordinary things, to do the extraordinary. And there's four things that I want to look at from this passage. First Kings, chapter 17, 18, and 19. I urge you to read the whole story. We're going to leave a lot of it out, because there's no way I can do justice to all of it. But I want to point your attention to some things. First of all, um, there was a great want. And when I talk about want, I don't mean in the sense that we use it today, um, just desiring something, wishing for something, hoping for something. Uh, but in the way that it was used prior to 1700, um, you were lacking something. And today we're realizing when we face this pandemic that there's things that we're lacking. Um, sometimes it's just little things, sometimes it's big things. Last, last week I had a couple of instances happen to me where I realized just how different things have been. Uh, one of the things that's been open has been Starbucks, and the one nearby the church here, there's been anywhere from 20 to 40 cars at any given time waiting to go through the drive through So the other day I was coming to work, and uh, there was no line, and I said, oh, this is great, I'm going to go get myself a latte. And uh, I drove down the street, pulled into Starbucks, and the reason there was no line is, is it was closed. Uh, I got my lawnmower ready for the spring, and... Uh, noticed that the oil was low so I needed some oil for the lawnmower and I thought well one of the dependable places has been Home Depot drive down to Home Depot and wouldn't you know it there's nobody in the parking lot and I said this is going to be easy but the reason there was no one in the parking lot is is it was closed to customers and uh, we're realizing that we have one and those are simple little things but some people you're trying to figure out how to pay the bills others are trying to figure out how to put food on your table we heard that the food um, drive here on Saturday, ran out of food um, at Wisdom Lane, uh, but yet people came through with uh, incredible gifts following that incident. But um, we are in want. We're lacking what we need. And this story begins with an incredible want in the life of the story of the people of Israel. Elijah was a prophet, and he was a prophet during an incredibly difficult time. King Ahab and his wife Jezebel were ruthlessly ruling Israel and leading them in the wrong direction. And when they describe Ahab and his rule, the way that the writer of Kings puts it is, is that he did uh, far worse than any that had ever come before him. He built temples to Baal, and he built temples to the other gods. And it got to the place where his wife was so ruthless that she was even going about putting to death the people that claimed to be prophets of God, um, the ruler of Israel. And so God was going to use Elijah to um, bring a message of challenge to the people. And so Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab the king, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. And so there was a drought. And that drought then led to famine. And that famine led to unrest. 
and the situation after a few years in the land of Israel was troubling and incredible. And Elijah finds himself in the middle of it all. Now, as one of God's followers, how on earth was God going to help him during this time of want? And that's one of the questions that we're asking, is how is God going to help us in the middle of this time of want? And uh, this is where God brings the ordinary to be a help to Elijah. And he brings him a widow. Um, you don't often think of a widow um, to meet the needs. I don't know what was running through Elijah's mind when God said, I want you to go uh, to this widow. But, um, you know, might have he might have thought, God, couldn't you give me a wealthy landowner? Couldn't you give me somebody who owns a lot of um, animals? Maybe a political ruler, somebody that could provide for me. But God says, no, I want you to go to a widow. And so God had been providing... Uh, for Elijah at a brook, and the ravens had been feeding him. But it says in chapter se um, verse 7, sometime later the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. We're always looking uh, for God to work through the wealthy. Uh, I have to tell you that we're at a time now where uh, the church's finances are really challenged and uh, we're trusting God to meet our needs. Um, the temptation is to say, God, could you just bring us some wealthy donors and some things? Wouldn't it be something if God brought us some widows and God said, I'm going to work through these people that you don't think have very much and um, you'd be surprised how I can do that for you? Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a woman there to supply you with food. And this statement that it ends with here, I have directed a widow there to supply you with food, tells us a little bit sometimes about how God works. Because what we're going to find out <clears throat> is apparently God hadn't told the widow. And very often um, we have the ability to meet needs. God's directing us to meet those needs. And we're just not on board with God's plan yet. And we're going to find out about how this worked out with the widow. And so Elijah went to the widow, and he said to her, he says, I want you to help me, and I want you to be of assistance to me, and could you please get me some water and a loaf of bread? And here's her response. As surely as the Lord lives, in verse 12, um, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it, and die. The famine had gotten to the place where it had robbed this widow of everything that she had except for a handful of grain and a handful of oil. And here Elijah was asking her for that. She says, I have none to give you and I'm just prepared to go home and eat my final meal and die. Um, but God is going to show Elijah that he can use the ordinary to do something extraordinary. And so what we find now is, is that not only was there a great want in the land, not only was there God directing Elijah to look to a very ordinary and commonplace and mundane thing for a solution, but now we're going to see that there was wonder. And God is good at bringing wonder um, in the midst of troubled times. And perhaps you've seen glimpses of it in the midst of this pandemic as God has reached into your life and the life of others and met your needs. And so she went away and did as Elijah had told her. 
And the result of that and her obedience to that was that there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and for her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the wonder or in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. And so we find not only this wonder, but this is just the beginning of the wonders. There would be a short time following this that the woman's son would become sick and she'd be incredibly troubled that not only had there been famine, not only had there been this little glimpse of hope with this flour that never ran out and the oil that never ran dry, um, her son became sick and died. And Elijah would then pray for that child, would labor in prayer, and God would hear the prayer, and the child would come back to life. He would then present her to the woman. The wonder would continue. God then said to Elijah, I want you to go and confront Ahab. And, and Elijah would then purge the land of many of the prophets that had been teaching falsely in that day and in that time. And the wonders would just abound all because God provided a widow and God would do wonders. And this isn't the end of the story. You would think after all of this wonder took place that Elijah would be just ready to take his place of prominence in the land of Israel. But Jezebel, the queen, threatened his life. And he was so frightened of Jezebel that he ran for his life miles and miles and days and days and finally got to the place where he was exhausted and he sat down basically to die. God would strengthen him and he'd say, I want you to journey on yet further. And he would until he got to Mount Horeb uh, in the Sinai Peninsula. And there he would meet with God and we find this incredible story that God would provide him with a voice that would direct him. And that voice wasn't the voice of thunder or the voice of fire or the voice of the shaking that they had known in the giving of the law under Moses. But it came in just a whisper. And this is a beautiful story. The Lord, when he got to Mount Horeb, said, I want you to go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? I have read this story so many times that my mind has played with the inflection of this, and I wonder how God did speak to Elijah. And I often wondered if it was something like this, what are you doing here? Um, I think often God is trying to ask us that question when we run from him. Ask us the question in a gentle way, in a whisper, what are you doing here? As the story unfolds and God revealed to him, God would say to Elijah, I'm not finished with you yet. I don't want you to worry about Jezebel, but I want you to go back to Israel. And I want you to anoint some people as leaders and rulers over the people. I want you to raise up another prophet that's going to work with you and take over after you're gone. I want you to go back and, and remember this, that you think you're alone, but I have over 7,000 people that have not bowed the knee to Baal. And I have often uh, felt somewhat alone as we look at the situation where we compare where Christianity is today in America, where it used to be that everybody seemed to go to church on Sunday morning, that 
fewer and fewer people every year have the time to set aside on a Sunday morning to worship the Creator and worship the Redeemer, um, that we feel alone. And God is trying to say to us in a whisper that I have many people that have not bowed the knee to Baal. One of the things that has happened during the midst of this pandemic is, is that not only have we worshipped with you all on Sunday morning via this um, video, but we've also been able to share in the ministries of other churches. And I have been amazed at how God is working through other people, uh, other organizations. We watched the program that had been put on by World Vision. Uh, we watched, we're hoping to watch this Friday, the program that's going to be put on by uh, Teen Challenge here in New York. And we're looking forward to worshiping together with people all over the place. Um, this video that you're watching this morning, uh, people have been sharing with others, and I've gotten calls from Florida and notes from Georgia and notes from all over the place of people uh, that have seen this video and have been encouraged by it and encouraged by the fact that there are people here at Gateway Church that are following him. We've, we've had reports that there are people on, in the islands that have watched it. There's people from the West Coast that have watched it. And my hope and prayer is, is that we'd realize that there are thousands that have yet to bow the knee to Baal and that still worship the one true God and worship Jesus. And so how are you going to make it through this pandemic? My hope and prayer is, is that you'll realize that God can use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. We have a great want and God may provide you with a widow who doesn't have much, but he's going to use that in order to do wonders. And then we need to sit and wait for how God's going to speak to us through all of this. Uh, one of the things that we find in the middle of this whole story is, is that the reason God was doing all of this, we find it in Elijah's prayer in the middle of the um, chapters that God was calling Israel back to himself. And I really believe that we would misunderstand this whole pandemic if we didn't think God wanted to use it to call us back to Him. And my hope and prayer is, is that you will realize that even though it seems like we don't have much right now, God is able to do something wonderful through it all, and He's going to do an extraordinary work. I hope you'll pray with me to that end. I hope if you've been somebody that's wandering from God, you'll return to Him. I hope that you'll hear His call and hear His whisper. And I hope that you will be a yielded person to the Lord God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this principle that you use the ordinary to do the extraordinary. And I pray, Father, that we would be amazed at what you have yet to do through your people in this day and in this time. I pray, Father, that we would look for that pile of dust that you will breathe life into. I pray, Father, that we will look for the jar of oil and the jar of a handful of wheat that will allow us to live for the rest of our lives. Father, I pray that your blessing would be upon your people, and I pray that you would meet our want in a wonderful way, and that we would hear your whisper calling us to return to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to transition now to just a brief time of remembering the Lord's table and remembering his death and if you haven't gotten anything ready to do that you may want to take a few minutes now um, to pause the video and um, get some bread and get some juice 
but if you don't, that's okay. Um, you can just partake of it with us. Uh, this is showing us that um, the traditions that have surrounded it, somehow we think that if we don't have uh, a group of church leaders passing it out um, with silver trays in a church service that we can't remember the Lord's table. But we're going to find out this morning that it was all about remembering Jesus and not in the specific way that we did it. And so if you would like to do this, I hope that whether you have the elements in front of you and are sharing in this as a family with us, or whether you just choose to watch and pray and remember it as we partake of it here with you, um, I pray that you will share in this communion service before the Lord. Amen. What a privilege it is to be able to come to this table. Uh, we are saddened um, in some ways because it's something that we've always done together, but uh, we felt that it was really important that we learn to do it while we're in quarantine and in isolation. Uh, and so we hope that you'll be able to take this time to reflect upon the gift of the Lord Jesus, his incredible sacrifice on the cross, and the price that was paid for our salvation. Um, if you haven't prepared anything at home, that's fine. Um, use this as a time of remembrance as Kathy and I partake of it together. Uh, it is a joy to be able to remember Jesus this way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul summed up the Lord's table this way. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And by sharing in this time together, what we're hoping to do is to remember Jesus as he asked and to proclaim his death until he comes. And with that in mind, I'd like to ask a blessing on the bread and the um, cup that we have prepared. And I hope that you'll be praying with us. Father, I thank you for this bread and for this cup and what they represent. Father, your love is so great, we can't even begin to fathom it. But I thank you, Father, that it reached to each one of us through Jesus Christ. I pray that this time of remembrance would be sweet. I pray that it would be a time where we could confess our sins to you. I pray, Father, that it would be a reminder that Jesus paid it all. And we ask these things this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took the bread and he gave thanks. And he passed it among the disciples. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me.
the Lord Jesus would then take the cup and he would give thanks. And this cup represents the blood that was poured out for us. He said, please do this in remembrance of me. Father, I give you great thanks for the gift of Jesus. And I pray that this morning we might be remembering him with love and affection and gratitude in our hearts. I ask, Father, now that you would make your face to shine upon your people. I pray, Father, that you would bring your joy and your peace into every household that listens to this message. I pray, Father, that hearts would be called to turn to you. I pray, Father, that we would realize that you take things that are ordinary and do extraordinary things with them. May your blessing be on us as we go about our day and as we head into a new week, whatever comes our way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. May God bless you this week.